CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell on this Wednesday. I am beat up. I am telling you, I feel like I ran a marathon. I feel like I was in a boxing match. My body's sore. Moving day was yesterday. That's why I was off. Moved a local move. Not that far. About 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. All in one shot. But if you paid someone to move you, why do you feel like that right now? All right. So here's the deal. Yeah. So remember I told you how much it was going to be. And I think I said on air. I think it was 900 bucks. Yeah, I, I was a little air. concerned about that price. That sounded a little. All right. So then I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is a great deal. I tell uh, tell my wife. I'm like, yeah, it's a good deal. And then guess what I find out once they're over there? You got a box all, all of That was the estimate. Oh. And they were going to be paid hourly. They estimated the move would take nine hours. I don't know if it was. I guess it was 100 smooth, $100 on the hour. Yeah. But it took a lot longer than that. They went over, and I think they charged overtime because it was almost double that when the uh, final bill came up there. So my point, you were asking about was I box? Yeah, I'm trying to hurry them up. <laughs> so I started filling up my car, getting as much stuff as I could in there, right. and actually ended up carrying it like I was going in their truck and like just you know in the, all of our stuff, but like helping out on it. Man, you need you see those like anytime you see a UPS guy or some somebody that's involved in handling boxes. And you go Home Depot, go to a store, and they're yeah. wearing those back braces. Yep. I need to get one of those back braces next time I mess around. You, know you have no appreciation for that usually, right? Oh, Just take man. it for granted. No. You know, all right. So here's the worst part of moving for me because I've moved a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, the actual getting from point A to point B, not that bad. Right. Uh, first few days in the new house, like everybody's fired up to get out of the boxes and, you know, get the house set up the way you want it. Yes. Everybody, you're running on pure adrenaline. Yeah. That fourth day when you're like, 75 percent out of boxes <laughs> yes. and hit the wall and then you live with boxes in your All house for the next the year and a half right yes that's the worst that's the situation we're in i'm gonna go back to the best setup is when you get relocated by a company oh yeah which i had never experienced in the nfl but you know when you get to a company when i moved up to connecticut it was for work mm-hmm. so espn said we'll pay you know we'll cover that didn't do it didn't lift a finger like they Put every glass, every piece of silverware in a Way thing. Do it. So yesterday on the budget, I'm like, no, 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 we'll do all that. That was why it was so expensive. So if you have the luxury, go ahead and have the company move you if you can. All right, moving on to the show because we've got a good one to talk about. Somebody today. needs a mover. Yeah, somebody does. That sweet <laughs> like segue. That? Right. You need to be in my seat after this one. Jalen Ramsey will need a mover as the disgruntled defensive back for the Jacksonville Jaguars finally gets his request. And he wanted to yeah. be traded. Gets that, and the Rams are the team that make the move. Earlier in the day, they had traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens for Kenny Young. Uh, so clearly there was a little bit of suspicion going on. Like, all right, they're going to lose an incredible corner uh, as, who's a Pro Bowl caliber corner. What are they going to do? It wasn't that long after they announced the move for Jalen Ramsey, which in itself, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a good move for the Rams. And then I was like, well, what did they have to give up? Right. When I saw that they gave up two first and a fourth, 
I started thinking immediately, is this one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL? Now, of course, we won't be able to determine that until about 10 years because you have to see what the Jags get in return for those two first and the fourth. And I've always typically been a fan of go with the known over the unknown, right? Like, you know Jalen Ramsey is going to be a really good cornerback. You know you're getting that. You have no idea what those two first-round picks are going to be. Yep. But, man, when you get two shots at first-rounders, I think there's a pretty good chance you're going to find somebody that's pretty good in one of those. And what if you hit on it, you get two? I just think this was a desperate move for the Rams. Well, that I mean, teams that are in their window of opportunity – uh, sometimes have to make more desperate moves than other teams, right? Like when you, when, when you've traded, um, you know, Marcus Peters and a kid to leave your other, you know, lockdown corner are, is on IR, you, you have to make a move. You can't roll your team out there that's already, um, in a little bit of a, a, a um, a, a tough position as a championship contending team. Uh, you can't leave them out there with no corners on the field. So while you might not necessarily want to spend the two first to get him, at this point, you got to make a move. A bad team doesn't have to. Bad team can sit back and be like, hey, we're bad. You know what I mean? Like, right. it doesn't matter. We don't need him. But good teams sometimes are put, their feet are put to the fire with, with what you have to do to continue on that quest for a possible championship. Also, here's the other unknown. And I'm assuming they would never have made this trade without knowing Jalen Ramsey wants to get paid. Like oh, he that, wants a new deal. No, that's got to be a done deal. I mean, you don't, like, you, you don't, you don't, you don't you trade don't, for him, right? For second or third round picks, right? If you don't think you can get the deal, so done, right? they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. They've already just paid Jared Goff an exorbitant amount of money, especially when you consider the lack of return they got on him. They just paid, not just paid, but three years ago they paid Todd Gurley, not getting much return on that as he's had this knee issue. They're going to have a lot of money tied up in a in just a few select guys, and we've seen that tear apart teams before because it's a you know it's, there's eleven guys in the field at the same time. If you get too tied up, and especially if you get too much tied up financially in just a few players who aren't delivering on it, which we've seen with Gurley and Golf, you could find yourself with a disaster on your hands, and that's what I'm worried about could be coming down the road for the Rams if these guys aren't worth every single penny. And the prices that you're paying for them, right. I think you're way overpaying. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you can make the argument for sure that they've overpaid for the first two. Um, the NFL, this is where it's different than the NBA. I mean, I can't stop you from identifying talent and wanting to sign it to a, to a, to a paycheck that it's worth, right? right? Like if you feel like you have something that's worth that. Um, but I do understand the restrictions with the NFL and you becoming strapped. The, the other thing for, for the, for the Rams for me is like, I don't, I don't, you know, you asked earlier, uh, in the month whether Kansas City, uh, if he, if they were to get their hands on Jalen Ramsey, would it make him a Super Bowl, uh, favorite, right? Cause you could see that shoring up something that they were lacking, which is defensive prowess, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's really been the case with the Rams. I don't know that that's the answer for the Rams as, as it pertains to this season. Right. They've got bigger issues than, than their secondary. Their secondary hasn't been the best in the league, but it hasn't been the worst either. The numbers are right there. Right yeah. They've there. been adequate. They've been average. Right. You know what I mean? Like where you've, where you've had a precipitous drop off for the Rams is in your offense. Like that's the side of the ball. That if I had to address right now as the team, I would have tried to address. Right. You look at this historically because I was, you know, looking and I texted Joey before the show. I'm like, is this one of the worst trades ever? Again, can't evaluate it for a long time. If you look historically and you had up the graphic before about some of them, um, just go back to Khalil Mack, who was, uh, the Raiders traded away, uh, to the Chicago Bears in, in exchange for two first. 
According to the uh, Sloan Analytics Conference, there's a bunch of nerds that sit uh-huh. in the room and they evaluate things. The Raiders received the best transaction award at the analytics conference for trading Khalil Mack away. Yeah. Like that's the way I think you might be looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars years down the road is saying, you know what? They parted ways with an incredible player, but what they got in return, it's just, and it's a value play. You get more options, you get more swings at first rounders. Yep. Then losing those picks uh, altogether if you're the Rams. And there was a funny uh, meme I saw out there with Sean McVay. And he's it's that app that makes you look really old. You know, he looks like he's 80. Yeah. It's like, hey, this will be the the, the Rams' first pick under Sean, uh, first first round pick under Sean McVay because it's not going to happen uh, until forever uh, down the road. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. The Rams also traded for center Austin Corbett to try to fix those issues you were talking there about in the go. offensive line of the ball. Um, they're 22nd in the league in rushing. Honestly, I don't, I'm more worried about Todd Gurley than anything. Uh, when you hear arth, uh, arthritic condition in the knee, again, there's no fix for that. There's no surgery. It's not like a torn ACL. It's a debilitating issue that's just going to kind of slowly deal with it. You can sit him out, yep. maybe rest him so that he feels healthy. But if all you're going to get is a two to two or three game stretch and then you have to sit him down, it's just a, a really problematic situation that's developing uh, with the L.A. Rams that we'll have to keep an eye on throughout. And not only that, but their division is setting up to be the toughest division in the NFL with yeah. the way that the, uh, that the 49ers Niners. and Seattle's playing yeah. right now. So good luck to them uh, moving forward. Uh, we talked a little bit about Gronk in his debut in, as a broadcaster. You and I, I think, are both on the same page, right? You think he's coming back. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a done deal. Back, yeah. I think he's coming back without question. He he won't shut the door completely. He was on with WEEI, a radio station in Boston, and he was asked on whether he was going to return. So I think he's trying to silence people like us, but I wouldn't necessarily go there. He says, I'll give an answer. Obviously, when I retired, I retired for a reason because I needed to step away. So it would be a no. It would be a no. There it is. But I never say no because huh. I said no and everyone was like, yeah, he's kidding. It's a no. In my mind, that's how it is. It's a no. I say I keep it open because even when I do say no, people are like, yeah, right. He's kidding. There's always spin in it. But in my mind, it's a no. There you go. Are you convinced? Uh, no, I'm that confused is, that now is the, more than ever. Yeah, that is the least convincing and most confusing uh, uh, statement I've ever seen. You know, how, you, know how you, you know how you say no? You file the papers. Yes, exactly. You file the retirement exactly, papers, right? Robert Kraft revealed earlier he's still not a fi- filed his That's retirement That's it. I, papers. I, I think it's like, you know, I always find it interesting that like the general public is, it thinks that they can nail you down <laughs> yes. to what you say when a microphone is put in front of your face. I'm lying. Like, what do you want me to say to you? Like, exactly. I'm lying. I'm going to tell you whatever you want to hear. If the time comes and I'm Rob Gronkowski and I want to play again, yeah. guess what I'm doing? Right. He's going to play. Don't care that I told you no 10, 10 minutes ago. I really right. don't. Yeah, I, I, I guess the honest answer from Gronk. I don't Rob, know. Right. So just tell us that, which is fine. But maybe it becomes a hassle to them because then anywhere but, he walks anywhere, they're like, come back. Correct. But they're still probably saying that anyway. Listen, you bro. You know, people are probably saying it. Again, <laughs> I just assume I, I tell you this all the time when we talk about like college. I assume that if you put a microphone in front of most people uh, uh face and yeah. it's an uncomfortable question, yeah. that they're going to give you whatever they need to give you to get them out of your face. Totally. So I put your I stock it. in it. You did yes, it. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Brady said he's not recruiting Gronk to come back. I don't believe him. Right. He's definitely texting him like, Hey man, could have used you today. Could he, uh, and it's only going to get those texts are going to start coming in more frequently as you get closer to December. I'm still saying December. He comes back for the last four games. 
Uh, the Cowboys have been a mess, as we talked about on Monday, uh, losing three in a row. Jason Garrett, I think, deserves a lot of the criticism, and he has received a lot of the criticism, especially when you come out flat. When you've, when you lost two games in a row, and you go to play the Jets, and you come out, and they still found themselves in a position to win, but going down early, they just looked lethargic. I think that comes down to the head coach. Yes. You're the one that's supposed to motivate, that's supposed to make sure they're ready to go the minute the ball is kicked. So it's one thing for you and I to criticize Jason Garrett. It's another thing when former players who played under Jason Garrett start coming out. So Des Bryant comes out, talks about the criticism of the team. He says it's nothing to do with the players. Whenever training camp starts for the Cowboys, it's training camp until the season is over. A lot of pointless meetings, not enough time for the players to recover from injuries preparing for the next game. The receiving core as a whole has been the best Dallas has had in a long time. Just being honest, I thought all of my sacrifices that got me cut from the Cowboys. I'm for the players, and I'm going to speak my truth. I speak the truth for guys who are afraid to speak. So clearly he's talking about a schedule. There's a little bit more grinding than other teams in the NFL. Then T.O. chimed in, Terrell Owens, who's never afraid to hold back. He said, hey, actually went at real Jerry Jones. Still think Jason Garrett is the answer? For a decade, a decade now in all caps, it's the same old song and dance. I knew they were going to Jason Witten on the third down prior to touchdown, and I knew they were going to him on the two-point conversion. Not too late to bring me back. Of course, he had to make it about him back. Uh, Garrett is the reason me, Wade Phillips, and Dez are gone in addition to Romo and Witten. Um, whenever, like as a Florida State fan, I'm sure you as a Miami fan, whenever I see like Willie Taggart's come on a lot of fire, I think it's one thing for fan bases, chat rooms, you know, for fans to get upset. But when I see a former Florida State Seminole, Chris, I'm like, uh-oh. Same thing with every Miami yeah, totally. coach that's been there. Warren Sapp comes out, right? Like other hurricanes come out. I'm like, uh-oh. You lose the support of your former players. I think it's much more serious. Jerry Jones has been defending Jason Garrett, but I do think this speaks volumes about the problem he has on his hands. Uh, yeah, this is huge. When alumni starts coming out um, and speaking out and wants change, um, you have a bigger issue on your hand um, than, than possibly what's going on this second with your team. Do you know what I mean? Like You really have to dig into to um, whether this is in line with culturally what you want to represent, right? Because those guys have the best pulse of that. The guys that have been in it, in the past when you were a storied franchise and you were winning championships. And so I'll parallel it to like the Miami Heat, right? The Miami Heat are a team that is known to have more of a grueling type of um, regimen than other teams, right? They call it the Heat culture. Right. Um, and it's not for everyone. And they come out and they tell you that. Um, the reason why people buy into that and you don't hear the grumblings about it necessarily is because A, Pat Riley. Yeah is Pat Riley, and he's got this cachet and the championships to back it up. So when he talks, people listen. Um, Eric Spolstra was bred under Pat Riley, and he too has the championships um, and the track record to back that up. When you're dealing with a guy like um, – um, what's the guy? Why can't you call Jason him? Garrett. Yeah, Jason Garrett, yeah. who hasn't won anything, and he's a 500 coach. It starts falling on deaf ears after a while, right? Like yep. people might buy in for a minute until they realize it's not winning championships, until they realize that they're injured year after year after year. And then it, then it becomes like, Hey man, look, I, someone please listen to me. Cause we're trying to tell you, Jerry, you're not playing. You're not in the locker. We're trying to tell you that this isn't the fit. You know what I mean? Did you have one of the things that I thought caught my eye from Des Bryant's criticism? 
A lot of pointless meetings, not enough time for the players to recover. Pointless meetings. When you were in the NBA, did you feel like you had a lot of pointless meetings? Like, no. In the NFL, you do. No. And it's so frustrating. It's just monotonous. And I get it because there is a detail-oriented game, the playbook. You got to be on point with the, you know, the audibles and stuff. But there are so many times when you're like sitting in the meeting, a lot of guys are struggling to stay awake and it's just one more meeting and you're in there and watching film where I don't know though. I, I, the, the, the question I have is a lot of teams do pointless meetings, but when you say training camp mentality, that to me says you're still too physical with the guys yeah, grinding. And here's the problem for Jason Garrett is guys now talk to other teams more than ever before with sure. social media, with just access to. DMing other players, hey man, what's your schedule like this week? Yep. And if you're a cowboy and you're talking to somebody from a very forward, I would say Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, they're probably a little bit forward thinking and they're out there in just helmets on Wednesday oh, and the cowboys are in full pads. Like that stuff starts to annoy players and you lose that confidence in your locker room. Absolutely. Uh, I, I played for coaches on both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I was with Jerry, and I love Jerry Sloan, um, but he was an old school mentality, tough as nails type of coach. Um, the first time I was with Jerry, our practices were grueling. Training camp all the way through the year. I'm talking game like 71. We are uh, crab walking around the court, full length of the court. In, in You know, at the time I was young though, um, and I was hungry and you know, we did what we did and we, we almost made the playoffs as a right. team that should not have been uh, vying for the playoffs. So I, you know, obviously I went to Phoenix and I bounced around a couple other places. And then I go back to Utah and I get Jerry again. Even Jerry, as, as old school, uh, tough as nails type of mentality as he was, he had like evolved as a coach. Like our practices weren't nearly as grueling. Vets, where you had never sat out of practice before, they would come to me and be like, Hey, we don't want you doing a lot today. Like go over off to the side, ride the bike or something like that. You know, and so, you have to be able to make that adjustment if you want to continue to be a coach in any league because you're right. Like it's, I make one phone call and I find out what they're doing in right. in, in the Suns today. Like, like, hey man, what, yeah. and then you're miserable, and then it's you just it kind of the the criticism starts to become valid and guys are griping and you're going into work. You want guys who are buying into what you're selling, buying into your game plan, not complaining about it all the time. Now we have like the NBA is different from the NFL in a lot of ways, but the meetings like I've never really wrap my mind around like the amount of time that you guys spend in meetings we have like i don't know dude like a little pre pre-game meeting or right. like you might break out with guards and bigs you know an hour before the game and get like the scouting report or something like that well, you watch film right um but that's like an hour maybe max right that's the extent of your meetings um What's well, so like an NFL schedule? It's only it's different. It's only one game a week, which you think would be easier, right? But they throw a new game plan at you every week, and that's the thing that's frustrating is you have this really thick game plan uh, playbook. You'll cut it down into about half for each week, but a lot of it's new material that you don't have before. So you just got to get in, and so like you'll 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 the time you'll have to be there is probably eight o'clock. Uh, like that's the first team meeting, but I used to get there at seven later in my career when I was younger. I was like, hey, I'll show up at eight. But later, like when I learned how to be a pro, sure. I get there at seven. And then you'd probably walk out at five. So like you're going eight to five. Every It's a grind. That's a, full, that's a job. And you're only on the field for about two hours. Right. The rest of it is, and maybe an hour is a lift, but the rest of the time is never. spent meeting. NBA it's studying. Never meeting. make that. We would never make that. <laughs> no, I Never know. do it. No, I know. It's a different animal for uh, sure. Wait, when I was I'll bring a, in one of my playbooks so you so can look at it. You know me. Like you've been with yeah. me now for, I hate like sitting around. Right. Like, I want to be efficient. I, I yeah. hate it. I right. just, it's one of my things, dude. Don't, I, I just hate it. <laughs> right. Um, when I was in the front office with the Cavs, 
Oh. Bro, there were so many Because now the meetings. executives, they do meet. There were so many <laughs> meetings where I would be in there like, what? We just had this meeting. <laughs> right. Like literally two meet, hours ago, had we had the same meeting, meeting to talk about what you were going to talk about. Oh, my God. Meeting. Yeah. And I loved just, all those dudes, but it was a lot of meetings. You know what's funny is a lot of people listening, if they have a job, like a corporate job, they probably feel the exact same way. That's yeah. why I like a professional sports are a lot of time or a lot like you just make a lot more money and you get a lot more <laughs> right, attention. Right. But you have a lot of same complaints that people do working nine to five. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. So there was an article yesterday that was asking players to recount the first bucket they made in the mm. NBA. Mm. And Joey and I were talking before the show. I was like, man, that'd be a hard remember. Yeah. Like for me, I'll remember my first touchdown, but like you're just your first pass. Like, can you remember your first bucket? I mean, I can try to put two and two together. You're talking regular season, not preseason. Right, like, yeah. Uh, regular season, first bucket made. Now, I would guess you might remember like a first like game winner, or first like big shot that you made, but your first bucket? No, I, I by, by process of elimination, let me, it was 2001, <laughs> yeah. um, April, was it against the Pacers? Whoa. Oh, is that your first game? That's my first. It might be my first game. It probably wasn't, but it might have been the first game I remember seeing real action because Reggie Miller said something like he didn't know who I was or something he like. He was talking trash. He was he was friends with Larry Brown because oh, like yeah, so he yeah, said yeah. something like I didn't even know who he was, <laughs> and I got like a couple buckets. I think I don't know. Is Did that Joe, right, do you Joey? have it? Yeah, I got so. Raja, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Game eighty one. Yeah. Against the Pacers, right. you guys were down eight in the second quarter, and you hit a three. There you go. There you go. Now, nice. There you go. So your first bucket was a three. I didn't, I didn't know that. that. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys have the number three in common because, Danny, your first pass was to Tyrone Wheatley for minus three yards. <laughs> That's classic. Um, that should have been a sign of things to come. Now, you'll notice I went full screen because we got a little surprise for you. All right. Some of that old footage is not in HD, so it takes us a little while to get it ramped up. Danny, right, we yeah. have right here your first touchdown. Oh, all right. Let's go. I think this was to Thomas Lewis. Uh, a little play action. On the outside. Yeah, yeah look at the mobility. Wheels. Coming right out there. He's coming across the back. That is Thomas Lewis. He was a first-round pick, high-stepping in the Ball end Ball placement. Let right him there. right into that. Look at the mobility, though. I think I was underrated on the run. I think that's what I was. They probably held that against you back then, right? Because they <laughs> wanted statues exactly. in the pocket. But now, notice Raja, it we, was Raja, we didn't, to my right. We didn't want you to feel left out, yeah. so yeah. we do have a first for you. It's not your first shot. You guys oh. can play it. I want to see if you know what this first is. All right. All right let's see what it is. By the way, I was a I was a monster versus Arizona Cardinals. All right. This is you. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm gonna get a steal. This is going? game winner, bro. Oh, First oh, this game is. winner. This is game winner in Boston. Oh, off the uh -oh. bounce. Andre Karolinko kicked that back, dog. Back. Oh, got him on a closeout. Why aren't you behind the three? You gotta pay attention to the analytics. Yeah. Oh, the terrible mid-range jump you needed shot. Right there. Look at that. That was awesome. Yeah, those are all oh, that would be crazy. Oh, and it wasn't today, just right? the jumper. There's the go home layup, too. Oh, really? oh so we got more. That was my panic move. You see how I got like stuck and had to use my pivot five times? Yep. I did that against LA in the finals, too. <laughs> like it was. I love it. This is okay. awesome. All right, boom. Close out. Playing good D. Let's go. No box out. 
Oh, this is the dagger. So you shut out the game going the other way? Box out. Oh, who is that? Throw it up. Throw it up. Matty Harpering. Let me get that. Come on. Dunk that. What did you dunk that for? It's late, man. It's like the (laughs) six seconds left. Oh, you're not allowed to dunk under 10 seconds? I was like a first or second quarter dunker. (laughs) After that, I had no legs. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. I love it, man. That was fun. That was a good good walk down. Good job, guys. Good stuff finding that stuff, going to the archives. It does make you feel older. Had to dig in the crates for those. (laughs) So I went, I was at my mom's house this weekend and I went to, uh, like she's got uh, this bin of VHS tapes. Yeah. Like, so did I. I actually texted Joey. It was like, what can we do with these? Can, yes, I need to know if anyone. There are, there are. So I asked Joey, I actually have older. I have like the old TV like beta copies, oh. but this is like this is like in the TV business. Not right. that I'm that old. It was the way they were made. It was like my first broadcast, yeah. which I think would be hilarious. Yeah. But there are companies that will convert. I need that. I need to just dump them all too. I, yeah. I think I chucked a lot of them. Mm. So I was like, who cares? Like at this point, most of the stuff can you can find on YouTube. Like I bet you could find that highlight on YouTube somewhere if you want. Not to my high it. school games. No, not your high school games. Yeah. That is true. Those yeah, are not, not on YouTube for sure. So maybe I have to investigate in some, Hey, we need a show sponsor. Maybe that could be it. <laughs> One of those companies sponsor us. Um, in the NBA as well as we're getting closer and closer to the regular season, the preseason M- MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, okay. my Sorry. Right. Letters, right? Um, conversation has come out. So we got some odds on these. So you've got the leaders in the clubhouse are the usual suspects. So you got Giannis coming off an MVP plus 350. You got Anthony Davis now on the Lakers plus 500. Steph Curry all of a sudden going to ask to carry a lot more of the workload for the Warriors plus 550. James Harden always in the conversation at plus 700. Uh, Jokic is coming in the conversation at plus 1000 for Denver. LeBron and Kawhi both at 1200 plus 1200. I think those are the value plays and I don't, I think it might be a steal at those numbers, uh, considering all those other names ahead of them. So you know more about the value for the betting, right? I, I will just say that when I first eyeballed this list, LeBron being below AD as significantly as he is was was eye opening for me, right? So I think that supports what you're saying. That like there's probably value there. Um, same with Kawhi. I also think that Kyrie. I agree with Joey being at plus six thousand um, is really interesting when you consider you've got. Um, you know, names on here that are, are part of duos and the whole duo is ahead of him, right? And you yeah. would imagine, usually in that scenario, one cancels the other out, right? Or they kind of can- cannibalize each other, like they eat each- up each other's votes. Um, so you got like James Harden plus 700 and Russell Westbrook plus 2500. Uh, so that stuck out to me. Those were the two things that stuck out. Even Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both ahead of, of Kyrie. That's a, that was kind of interesting looking at that. Uh, let me look up some, cause I was curious to know for the Nets, could it impact Kyrie without Kevin Durant this year? If he's carrying the workload, but they're not that good. Well, I would like that could hurt him. I was looking at their the win deal. total set at 45. That's not awful. Not that I'm comparing. I mean, you know, Steph and Kyrie, I don't want to get into that, but Steph is going to be on a worse team than he's been on in the last couple of years. Right. His MVP odds are probably higher than they've been in the last few years because He's going to have the ball. He's going to have the platform. And if they're going to be successful, he's going to do the lion's share of the work, right? Like, yep. and, and I've been on here saying, man, this is going to be great. Like he, you're going to get to see Steph. So I'd make the same case probably for Kyrie. Now, although I, I would say he's just coming out of a situation where I think we can all maybe agree. You tell me if you disagree that Kyrie's better served as not the lead guy, like the lead guy. Now you're right. It's probably an indictment. Maybe that's what Vegas people, is looking at. Right. Um, I tend to, I look. Kyrie is such a unique talent uh, with the ball in his hands that while it's not meant for every team, 
Like Brad Stevens clearly, it's not his fault. It's just it didn't fit his style, Brad Stevens' style and Kyrie's style. I do think that there are teams out there that can incorporate what Kyrie does offensively and they can be really successful doing it. But it's going to require the, uh, a certain roster and a certain type of, of offensive philosophy to do that, if that makes sense. Do you know? Yeah. So I'm not ready to just say that, you know, Kyrie as the number one isn't, isn't going to be able to produce wins. I, I do think championship level, he's probably a number two, but you can still win a lot of games and be, be a, a good playoff team with him being the number one. You just have to play a certain way and be willing to do that. Yeah, but I think part of what's interesting with this number, to your point, like, yeah, they're probably still going to win games, but Vegas, we talk about it all the time, Vegas gets things right, and it would be, like, if I'm a Nets fan, or if I'm just trying to figure out how the Nets are going to be this year, we're talking about those back half of the East playoff teams, you would think, by all inten- even without KD, for all intents and purposes, Kyrie is an upgrade on D'Lo, and they were good last year, but Vegas doesn't think Kyrie is going to be one of the top even 10 players in the league this year. So are they going to be that much better with Kyrie? It would be, I mean, I'm not saying Vegas makes me concerned, but Vegas gets these things right a lot. <laughs> they do. Oftentimes yeah. they look at it. Uh, you could look at it two ways, right? You could say um, Vegas thinks that Brooklyn's going to backslide with Kyrie. Therefore, he's not going to be in the MVP conversation. Or um, maybe Vegas thinks that Brooklyn will be good, but Kyrie is just not going to try to double down on what he did last year right. and will be more uh, a part of, of the collective team than the star of the team. I mean, it's it's glass glass half empty or you know glass half full type of conversation. Um, you know what my money's on? What's that? I'm going for NBA history, baby. Plus 10,000. My man Zion. Zion Williamson. It's only been done twice. Wes Unseld and Wilt Chamberlain. Oh. The only other NBA rookies to win MVP. <laughs> right. I'm all in. I'm You're taking it value. I'm not even dignifying pick. that. I'm not <laughs> dignifying. I'm uh, just messing with No, him. but he... Here's I think whether he's if like if he he's not going to win MVP if he's an All Star. He could. I was going to say he could right. be, be an All Star. That's where I think could. the interesting odds would be if you get him in the All Star game because again hype matters and he's got yeah. all the hype in the world and his preseason's been pretty solid. He's going to have numbers. They're yeah. going to push pace. He's got a bunch of guys that are willing passers. Um, if he if they can create space and let him get to the rim, he's going to have stupid he, numbers. He's not going. I agree. He's not going to get it. But I will say he probably has the best chance in a long time because they're going to be pretty good. Like. Yeah. They they're gonna be a, they could be a playoff team like it's been a while since we had a rookie of the year stud rookie of the I guess Ben Simmons probably they were decent no they probably they weren't even decent in his rookie year uh, like it's been a while since we had like a transcendent type of player on a playoff team in his rookie year yeah that's I mean this is gonna be kind of unique for him and um it's been a, it's been look I mean Le, LeBron comes to mind because he was. He always had the ball in his hands, and when they dropped him into Cleveland, they just put the ball in his hands and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, do what you've been doing at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Like this is just make it what you want it to be, yep. right?" Um, there haven't been a lot of guys that you just drop them in as rookies into the perfect situation um, for their game, and Zion will be in that—a wide open, fast-paced, um, floor-spaced environment with a bunch of guys who can really pass the ball and don't want to make like the 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 highlight assist all the time. They just want to get it up to you and let you finish in transition. So it's, it's really tailor-made for, for what he does right now as a player. Hey, if I took flyers on Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr for NFL MVP, <laughs> I'm going to take a flyer on Zion just in case. Do, um, <laughs> do you, can I say one more? Like, I want to talk about just one more second. Yeah. got to go to break. Uh, did either one of you guys see the video of Giannis uh, shooting threes? The no. Other practice? No. So I said yesterday with Tommy that I thought Giannis would have a, a slight hangover 
from the MVP. And we were talking about the Eastern Conference supremacy. Um, I probably read that wrong. First of all, I don't, I, he's not really wired like that. He's a hungry type yeah. of hungry to, to be the best, hungry to win championships type of guy. And I watched this video of him like, you know, shooting the ball. And while there's no one out there with him and he's just shooting, you could tell that he's put a lot of work into, into shooting jumpers and becoming a fluid jump shooter. And if that cat gets a jump shot and he's proficient from behind the line, good luck, good luck with that. Yeah, for sure. Something to keep an eye on. Did you see the Clippers New Jerseys? I yeah, think they're kind of they're sweet. Dope. They're dope. I, I, like, I them. like them yeah. a lot. Joey referenced them, said they look kind of like the font that came from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. I think they look like the font. Remember uh, Jesse James and West Coast Choppers? Sure. Was the show on TV. And, and Those are like, fire. I like them. He, he didn't like them. Joey didn't like them. I think they're pretty sweet. And I bet they sell... Like hotcakes in L.A. But, all right, look, they, oh, I don't want to be disrespectful. I, 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 this is, but you're, I'm looking at the like that's your big six, right? Yeah, that six players. That's yeah. your big six. You're, you're telling me that that big six right there is better than like LeBron and the Lakers. It's better than Houston and them. Like I don't buy that. No, I think their big two, their duo goes toe to toe. Yeah, but it's does. not just your two, right. Though. Exactly. Like you're. I mean, I like the. I mean, Lou Williams is dope, right? And right. and Patrick Beverly is my. If there is my kind of guy in the NBA, yeah, like he's, he's my a kind dog. Of guy. He's yeah, yeah I love it. He's gonna get in your head. But I don't know that that. I don't know that that's. I'm. I'm not ready to pencil it in as championship. Well, I'm not either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye out, and we'll be all over it throughout the season. Love the jerseys though. Welcome back to Canel and Bell on this Wednesday. Uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were drafted number one and number two in 2015. I liked them both coming out. I huh? thought both of them had a chance to be successful quarterbacks in the NFL. Had some reservations. I didn't think they were locks the way you would put Andrew Luck in that conversation. Even then, I mean, he's a guy who's not playing anymore, but he, he did have a lot of success. Um but I did not see this outcome coming where they're both in their final years of their rookie contracts and both of them really hanging on to their careers like by a thread. Jameis Winston coming off a brutal game in London where he had five interceptions and lost a fumble. Marcus Mariota's coming off a game in which he actually did get benched. But Jameis in his last game, so the five interceptions plus a fumble. So he had six turnovers. You also heard after the game Bruce Arians said and you could see the frustration on his face and there was a bunch of memes about him during the game as he was just looking on in frustration Jameis's mistake has always been he tries to do too much like right. he tries to be the hero if everything it's like all this the plays breaking down like he fumbles the snap just take a snap a sack or throw it away instead he'll like break two tackles come up and he'll wing it down the field and it gets picked off if he could just get rid of those He'd be really good. The problem is five years into the NFL, he still does the same things. And that was Bruce Arians was his criticism for him after the game. It's so frustrating. It's really frustrating. <laughs> I feel like um, you said their careers, that their starting careers are certainly in jeopardy, right? Yes. Like their starting careers as, as, as NFL quarterbacks. I feel like Jameis Winston ceiling um, is high, like starting quarterback level um, potential. I I don't know him, but when you're making those same mistakes, you, I I don't like I don't, I don't know if this is cool or not, but it can't be that bright. When you're still doing the same stuff, that gives me pause. Right. That's gonna lower your ceiling, right? When you're still doing that, and I can take you to three years worth of film and be like, okay, right here on the play that Danny just described, take the sack, and you come out there two weeks later and you don't take the sack. I have to now be concerned about like whether you're 
putting two and two together. Right. And when you throw five picks, they're not all going to be on you. And there was one that hit the receiver around oh. here and it popped up, but there were a couple scrambled around, tries to heave it in the end zone, yeah. and it gets picked. And you're and there's a lot of research that's been done that really all you need to see is three years of a quarterback starting games, and it's kind of going to be like you should see progression, and then you kind of know what you're going to get. Right. You've got five years of film, and you still don't elevate and start getting better and eliminating those mistakes, then you have a problem. But I could see why, because you see the potential yeah. there, you might be tantalized or tempted to, to like – Take another swing at that. Marcus Mariota, on the other hand, I just don't think the ceiling's that high for him. Like, I right. just, it doesn't look the same, right? It's not about the silly mistakes. It's about, like, it's never really looked great. Right. Like, it doesn't look like you, can, you, you have the potential to be a high level starter. And when you're replacing him with Ryan Tannehill, like, we all, I mean, we've been in the market. Yeah, you know where Ryan Tannehill is and isn't. You know what I mean? And so I think that speaks volume. So while it's their, the fate is kind of the same, they, they, they seem like two different animals in terms totally. of what you're looking at. They're definitely different. I think Marcus Mariota is a little too cautious. Right. Like, I think he could open up the game plan a little bit. No take risk. Take a little bit more um, chances down the field um, because he does a little bit of a check down Charlie, if you will. Right. Um, you mentioned – Ryan Tannehill replaced. I think they're the same quarterback. Correct. You know, like I, I think you know, I think they're. And there's been some stats from the last couple of years where they're virtually identical. This is just to me, you're moving on. They traded for Ryan Tannehill. They want to find out. Hey, maybe we give him a change of scenery. Maybe he catches on, gets hot. Both the quarterbacks, both of them though, and this is where it's a shame. You wonder what they would have done if they were in good situations because yeah. they've really been in bad situations a lot of times. You know, that determines your fate as a quarterback. And that's why, you know, I'm worried about Kyler Murray or Josh Rosen's a good example. Like he was handed a bad situation in Arizona, goes to a worse situation in Miami, and it's probably going to determine, it's going to, it's going to severely impact his career in a negative way. He's going to have a long way to come back from after that. Would you, if you're a team next year, let's say the Dolphins, I don't know, let's say the Dolphins decide two is not our guy. Would you take a swing at Marcus or Jameis? No. I don't know. I don't think no. I would either. I think you'd no. want to be in a stable situation where maybe you bring him in to compete for a job, yeah. but I don't think you're going to hand him a starting salary contract. You're going to bring him in a position to compete. I was racking my brain it, to see if there was anybody that would view one of those guys as a potential starter for them. I don't know who it would be right. next year. I right. Mean, just off the top. I right. Like I was going to say the Bears. Like I think Marcus Mariota would fit what the Bears are doing okay. pretty well, but they're not going to move on from Mitchell Trubisky right. yet because Trubisky I think is a liability. I think Marcus would be the perfect, like, hey, I'm going to manage the game. We got an incredible defense. Mm-hmm. I can make some throws. They're asking Trubisky to do some stuff with his legs. Marcus could do that. And I think he'd be a smarter quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. Right. But I don't, like, I don't think the Bears would go for Jameis Winston. It's tough. You know, uh-huh. the Jameis thing is, and I don't mean to, but like at Florida State. Yep. Right. Um, you know, with all, with all of the, this stuff, right? Whether you were, you, you just had to, at some point, you started questioning like his judgment. Do you remember, like, you know, some of it, it, w- it wasn't his fault necessarily, or, or, yeah. or he was exonerated, or whatever the case may be, but then there was something else. Yes. Right? And then you'd be like, oh, you escaped by the skin <laughs> of your teeth there, but then you were stealing crab legs. Right. And then you're like, oh my God, dude, what are you doing? Right? Like, I've always described Jameis, they say, what do you, what do you like about him as a quarterback? What do you don't like? And I've always said, and it's kind of exactly what you're referencing, his decision making. Yeah. Both on and off the field comes into question. Concerned, yeah. You know, and it's for different reasons, but, 
for whatever reason, he can't. Oh, but like that, there's a that foolish is a de- decision. That is in a decision making position. Like, <laughs> yes. You have to be able to make right. Exactly. And I, I root for both of them, but I do think they're going to find themselves in a really, uh, awkward position. Right. But uh, Joey said, what about the Cincinnati Bengals who moving on from Andy Dalton? I think Marcus Mariota would be a, just a slightly better vision, uh, version of Andy Dalton. I don't think they would see that as the future. I think their quarterback of the future might be on their roster. And Ryan Finley, the quarterback from NC State, who they got in the fourth round. Yeah. I think he might be a cheaper option to Andy Dalton as opposed to going out and finding somebody like that. We mentioned Josh Rosen just a minute ago, who was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. A lot of people were upset with that, saying, ah, what are you going to destroy Josh Rosen's confidence? I had no problem with them benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and putting him in. You did. I did. Why? I you did. saw the spark, like he drove him down the field and brought him back in a position where they had a chance to win. Well, it's, it's nothing to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, like <laughs> right. good, no, good for you. Like, yep. I, I applaud, like, you get in a game, your opportunity, your number gets called, go get it. Right. Um, ultimately you lost anyway, so I don't want to, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, first of all, you're not trying to win if you're the damn Dolphins. <laughs> yes. Like, so what are we doing? Like, I thought you should have taken a knee on the <laughs> two point conversion just yes. to make sure you didn't win the game. But as it pertains to Josh Rosen and, and, you know, I know you, you thought it was like a mercy benching where they didn't, you know, he was getting crushed. I don't. Well, he might be getting crushed physically, but you know, like I know, Danny, when you're when you're a player in a in a major sport, and you have to start worrying about making mistakes for fear of being benched, it starts to play games with you mentally, and yep. and then it becomes very hard for you to let go and really take the risk that you need to be able to take to get the reward that would be there if you make the right call, right? Like, so now you really are like, oh, dang, I can't make this mistake or I got to come out. Once you become that guy, you're worthless. And that's my fear for 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 um, uh, Josh Rosen. Yeah. Is that you playing those games and in games that you don't even, who gives a damn if you're the Dolphins and you lose them? You yanking him in and out just because he's playing poor. Yeah, he's going to play poor, dude. Right. He's going to play poor right now. But your team sucks. Right. So who cares? You've invested a first round. Pick. You need to know what this looks like. Give him the best opportunity. Have his back. Let him know he's your guy. Win, lose, draw. Touchdowns, interceptions, it doesn't matter. Give him the best opportunity so that you can make a true evaluation on who he is. And maybe you already know. And if you already know, then this is moot. But I don't love that. I don't love yanking a guy. You just started... You just gave him a starting job two weeks ago, man. Right. right. Now they're already out in a game you don't care about. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I think it's going to be that type of year, though, for the Dolphins, where they kind of play it by who has the hotter hand, which is never a good situation. Uh, and again, if, why would they do? Maybe they go with who has the cold hand. Yeah, I got you. Keep Real rolling talk. with that guy because uh, they want to tank anyway. All right, welcome back. As we uh, get into our shoe showdown, mm. we talk about some stories, some releases from the uh, shoe world before we reveal ours. Uh, I got some serious fire today, by the way. You could be in trouble. <laughs> but um NBA Sneaker King, yeah. PJ Tucker. I was not aware that he's sneaker a Sneaker King. King. I was not aware of that. But he has a pretty strong uh game on Instagram, posted on his Instagram account, uh. Uh, that he is a sneaker-free agent. Uh He has a credible following, pretty good following, for a player that is oh, not yeah. a household name, no, right? Like all following. relative, yes, for right? Sure, for sure. Um would you value him as a sneaker company? So he's also, um, he spotted wearing Puma shoes at the Rockets practice this week. Puma, New Balance, and multiple Chinese brands have shown interest in the deal. Nike still remains the favorite to bring him back, uh, as one of their, uh, Look endorsers. At those. He's, um, well, those are, aren't those like the back to the future ones yeah. or those the fear of God? I don't know which fear ones those are. Look at that collection mm. and it's pretty remarkable. He, um, 
would be a value. The oh, look at Woo! oh my man, that rivals Rips. Although Rips puts his to shame because he got a whole house built just for his sneakers. But that's pretty strong sneaker game. That is a strong sneaker game. My little closet is is uh is put to shame for sure. Yeah. He he would be valuable to a shoe company. The only thing I could think of was some of these guys that played with the Heat. Um, when they were just this major, you know, uh, uh, like the Heatles and they got like Chinese shoe deals out of it. Yeah. They were such a, you know, guys that weren't stars on that team, uh, were reaping the benefits from shoe companies. The same with the Rockets when they had Yao. You had a bunch of yeah. like ancillary players with like peak deals and lightning and stuff like that. Um, he is a, a good player, but not a great player, but I think he would command money from big companies. Like I think Nike and, you know, he more than they would than another player of, of equal his, yeah, stature. Yeah, for sure. Cause yeah. he, he really drives the conversation around like the vintage shoes and the, and the, and the, you know, you don't see guys playing in those. No fear of God, whatever oh, those man. were. What are you talking about? Um, he famously has worn over $200,000 worth of different sneakers on the court in each of his last two NBA seasons. I want to know how many he pays. For That's, I was just going to say, I'm going to say zero. Yeah. Because I think all of it comes from. We had to start somewhere, though. He had to start out of his own pocket. Do you think? Well, now Joey asked a question. Do you think a casual fan will wear his shoe? He's not getting no. a signature no, shoe. No, 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 this isn't a PJ. But I do think if you see him in a fear of God, or you see him in the latest Travis Scott release, or whatever it is, then they'll go out and maybe buy that shoe. They're not buying a PJ Tucker shoe. But, no, not a PJ no. Tucker shoe. But people are tuning in to see what he's wearing. He's an influencer. He's the definition of an influencer. In he's, today's society, that's a thing. He shouted me out uh, when he was with the Suns. He went in and he found my 2K14s that I used to wear. Really? He wore one of my old pair of shoes in a game. Like, nice. He's good like that. Like He goes. He, he just drives conversation around shoes. So I do think he's valuable to, to shoe companies in that space. I think if you're going to go off the radar and you're not going to get a LeBron or a Giannis or somebody like that, I still think you're better served going to get an entertainer and having them have a shoe line than a, you know, kind of average NBA player. Oh, having and I would maybe their even own say shoe line. Yes. Like, like with the Travis Scott yeah. Yeezys yeah. with Kanye, like what these guys are doing with their companies. I think those. Are more valuable, like maybe even Le- I don't want to go LeBron because LeBron's in another stratosphere. Yeah, not LeBron, but uh, a Kawhi, like a Kawhi with what he's brought to New Balance. I mean, it's been okay, but Kawhi just doesn't have the personality to drive right the, sh- the shoe, the shoe, uh, the signature shoe conversation. Right. Um, but yes, you are right. Like you, you, there's really no value for Nike for with PJ Tucker in 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 a in a branding space like his own shoe. Right. Like it would just be because he's a shoe king, you know. All right, so let's get to uh, some of the releases this weekend. Yeah. Jordan 10 Seattle uh, honors the famed basketball city of Seattle. You like those? You like the 10s? Yeah, they're hot. Uh, they're one of my favorites to play in. Um, I, I like that shoe, though. Uh, their retail is 190 expected to resell at 200 250 so not too bad. Available on Saturday, uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, how about the Air Force One New York City City of athletes. So a couple cities getting shout outs from Nike. Let's see. This one. And I'm out. You're out. Too a other, lot of very busy. Yeah, busy. Too busy. <clears throat> very busy. Got a little bit of the basketball leather. I like that on the back. But yeah, these are, uh, these are definitely busy. I like more of a simple colorway. Maybe two I colors saw those max. In the Joker. Like I like. Days ago. Oh, they were in the Joker. Oh, no, dude. They look oh. like <laughs> clown shoes. Was the Joker any good? <laughs> I, was. I was like, they had them wearing it, it those. It was dark. It was great really, product placement. I want to go check them out too. All right. For our shoe showdown. Yeah. I came with a staple. Go first. I think you might be in trouble. Okay. Just some good old school Vans high tops right there. <laughs> all right. You know why? Because I'm moving and all my shoes are in boxes. This yeah. is the only pair I had access to, but I think they're a pretty good staple I like for any Nike. shoe collection. 
I too went with the staple, right and I like I like the Vans, but Thank I went you. with the uh. I went with the Jordan One, the, the breads. Um, pretty tough. But now these are interesting story behind these. I had two plugs when I was in the NBA for Jordans. Yep. Uh, because Nike, you know, once you're your certain caliber, they'll give you Jordans, but they weren't giving me Jordans. Right. So one was Michael Finley. He used to give me a lot. He didn't give me these. Jawan Howard blessed me with these when I was with the really? Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of dope. So yeah. you any, anytime you've got a story behind your shoe, that's going to win hands down. Right. Yeah, so Roger I'm glad I didn't waste a better one. Of course, Ruben said he won. <laughs> but you know what? Who I win with? The kids. Because fans are all the rage with the kids. I thought they were I'm until the I asked my son the other day, and he was like, I don't want no damn fans. I'm like, all right. My daughter's like fans. That's all that matters. All right, we're back tomorrow with more Canel and Bell. Have a good Wednesday.